When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Hello and welcome in to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm National Recruiting Analyst Cooper Patango alongside 24-7 Sports Director of Scouting Andrew Ivins, who has been a very busy man this weekend. If you have been keeping up with college football recruiting, LJ McCray, the five-star off the board to Florida, will hit on that. And then Armando Blunt reclassifies from 25 to 24 a day later, flips his commitment from Miami to Florida State. So no shortage of fireworks going on this weekend. But Drew, I got to start. With a little hockey, Florida Panthers, two and three mm-hmm. right now. Get right game against the San Jose Shocks tonight. Are you going to that game? 6.30 in Fort Lauderdale, right? Dude, I'm going, right? It's a delayed start. I think all 32 teams are playing tonight. They're doing like a red zone on ESPN. No idea how it's going to work. <laughs> uh, but I will be making the trek to the rink. Yeah, a little bit of a shotgun start there. All right, so what's our feel? If you just joined this show, if if you're a new audience member, Andrew is a big Florida Panthers guy. You can find him there during the week, on the weekends. That's his team. That's who he likes to support. So right now, we like to check in about once a week, kind of see where they are. Two and three, only five games in the season, long season for the Panthers. Drew, what's the outlook, long-term outlook with the Panthers? It's like college football teams right now. They are pretty banged up. A lot of guys sidelined up in the press box, you know, in the suite, not not skating right now. So too injured to tell. And uh, the depth is not a strength, just like a lot of these college football teams. Long, long way to go. We got the Pels, my team. They start tomorrow night on the road against the Grizzlies. Zion. Got to stay healthy. But with that, Drew, we're going to stick with our tradition here, early tradition. We're going to bring in our 24-7 sports director of research, Ryan McGrady. And we're going to introduce the McNuggies. But first, we got the random player of the day. Ryan McGrady, who we got? Today's random player of the day is L. Roberson, the quarterback out of Lee High School in Baystown, Texas. Played for Bill Snyder from 2000-2003 at Kansas State. And despite the fact that he's a quarterback, only Darren Sproles and Deuce Vaughn had more career rush yards than Els' 2,818 career rush yards. Third all-time at K-State with 40 career rush TDs, threw for over 5,000 yards, seventh all-time. Still holds the record for TD passes in a season with 24 back in uh, 2003, and he had four total touchdowns, three rush, one pass in the Wildcats' 2002 Holiday Bowl win over Arizona State. Played in the CFL for a couple years, had a little cup, cup of coffee there, and then was inducted into the Kansas State Ring of Honor in 2022. Uh, and now he's living in Houston where he's a safety programming and training specialist for Targa Resources, one of the largest energy infrastructure companies in the United States. Shout out Targa Resources. How about that? L. Roberson, what a throwback, Drew. I mean, listen, I was eight years old. We were just talking about this. We are talking about NCAA football, the video game. L. Roberson, number three, had the star under his player, you know, that that icon right there. Him and Darren Sproles were like the most unstoppable combo. When I think about 
the NCAA football game. El Roberson comes up, Seneca Wallace comes up, Pat White, Steve Slayton. I don't know if there's any other combos. Those guys top three for me. That's because you just would call pass plays and scramble outside the pocket <laughs> with him, right? No doubt. I mean, that was kind of you know, Here's my thought. I popped on some El Roberson highlights on YouTube to get the, get the memory going, and then McGrady reading off the stats – are there any quarterbacks like him currently in college football? I'm talking about like guys that can throw the football and also run the football for like over a thousand yards in the season. Uh, only name I came up, Thomas Castellanos at Boston College. I think he's the leading rushing quarterback in NCAA football this year. Has Boston College off to a four and three start. If there was a video game, I'd be playing with him. Well, you know what kind of made me think of it was Avery Johnson in Kansas State, and we'll see what happens with him next year. But that was kind of like, all right, that's the guy. And when the video game comes out, I think Avery Johnson is going to be a popular pick. Guys, remember, you are tuning in to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast now on YouTube. Make sure to like and subscribe. Give us some likes on there. Give us a little bit of love. You can also find us on Apple and Spotify. Look at those two guys right there, Andrew Ivins and Cooper Patagna. All right, Drew, let's get into it. The team of the week for me, I'm going to go with UVA. It has been a tough season for them, tough sledding. The only victory this year before this game this week against North Carolina, William and Mary. Now, they've been some close calls, but they shocked North Carolina on the road in Chapel Hill, and they win 31-27, first road win over a top-10 ranked team in program history. Entered the game 0-30 on the road against top 10 opponents. Ryan McGrady, believe you got some McNuggies for us. I do. UVA hadn't won on the road against a ranked team since 2011 at number 23, Florida State. Uh, they were 1-10 in, in the last 11 versus ranked opponents heading into that game. But uh, get a big win rushing for 228 yards. Shout out to uh, offensive line coach, my guy, Terry Heffernan. There you go. Tony Musket, 20 of 30, 208 yards, one touchdown, one INT, UVA. 228 yards, like McGrady just uh, pointed out. And then 10 of 21 between third and fourth down. That was a big one. Also held North Carolina in check. They lost three games this year by three or four, uh, three or fewer points. And then three one-possession losses last year as well. So, Drew, that program's been through a lot over the last two years. I mean, this is a big win for UVA. They have seemed to be close at times this year. The James Madison loss was a tough one. I don't think anybody expected UVA to go into Chapel Hill against a top 10 team. But you look back last year, Tony Elliott, that was one of those one possession games that they lost was North Carolina. Drew, big win for UVA on the other side. North Carolina, it's like everything they want out in front of them. I can't figure these guys out, Drew, because like we said last week, this is a one team that you got high hopes for. And then all of a sudden, a game like this or two pops up every year for North Carolina. I know we're supposed to talking about UVA, but very, very disappointing from the Tar Heels. Yeah, and UVA, I think, got down to North Carolina's goal uh, one yard line twice and didn't score. Also lost the turnover battle. Just a weird game. I don't know. Maybe I jinxed UNC. They were my team of the week last year. Hey, Coop, the thing that stands out to me, like digging into the box score watching this, the two receivers for both teams that got a flurry of targets, both transfers. It was Malik Washington uh, from Virginia. He transferred in from Northwestern, right? And then you got Tez Walker at North Carolina. He comes from Kent State. Those guys combined for 32 targets. I think they're both kind of – uh, statistically atop the ACC and just, you know, thinking player personnel, right, big picture. 
Uh, my takeaway is that you can find wide receivers aplenty in the transfer portal. So when we talk about, hey, like premium positions, I don't think wide receiver is considered one of them on the recruiting front. Like you can go find these guys wherever. Um, and tip of the cap to Tony Elliott, right? They played a lot of young guys. You dig into that PFF snap count. I mean, a lot of freshmen were in there uh, and guys that weren't four-star recruits and certainly not five-star recruits. And uh, you, you peek at their 2024 recruiting class, it's it's much of the same. You know, they're making some strong evaluations, active in Georgia, but he needed this win for sure. Yeah, UVA, not really known as one of those schools. I mean, I, I would have to think there are some challenges for Tony Elliott and his staff in terms of the transfer portal and that type of market, which they can dive into with the academic requirements to get into UVA. So a little bit of a different game there in terms of how they sled in the transfer portal. Drew, your team of the week out in the Pac-12, who you got? Utah, baby. Coop, let me ask you this, right? Would you feel better about USC moving into the Big Ten if Kyle Whittingham was the head coach of USC. <laughs> I think so. I got, a, I got a ton of questions about USC regardless. But Kyle Whittingham, yes, if you're one of those teams, Oregon, USC, Washington, UCLA, I think they're all breathing a collective sigh of relief that Utah, Kyle Whittingham, they're going to the Big 12. But here's the thing. I mean, the, the USC's, the Oregon's, the Washington's, they're facing a Big 10 team, you know, every year in Utah. This unit is big on both sides of the ball. And I think what really stands out and why Utah is my team of the week is Kyle Whittingham just gets these guys to play. I don't know if you saw his locker room speech at halftime, basically just told the team who is tougher, who wants it more. And then Utah comes out uh, and beats USC, I think for the third year in a row, walk on quarterback Bryson Barnes, the the pig farmer out duels, Heisman Trophy winner, Caleb Williams. I mean, this was an awesome game. And and the guy I want to talk about is Sione Fiaki, right? Travis Hunter, the two-way player. I said he would be on my flag football team uh, for the 2028 Olympics because he can play on both sides of the ball. What about Sione Fiaki? This is a safety. He was on a two-year mission, former three-star recruit, played 83 snaps for Utah against USC, uh, 14 touches on offense, 217 yards, two touchdowns. The Trojans could not cover him out of the backfield. So far this season, he has taken snaps at quarterback, running back, wide receiver, linebacker, outside corner, slot corner, free safety, strong safety. This dude's just a football player, and I think he embodies what Utah does. Uh, and, and look, last year Utah signed its highest-ranked recruiting class ever in the modern recruiting era. This year, they're sitting number 64 right now in the, in the 2024 recruiting cycle. I popped on some of the commitments they have so far. Only 10 kids this morning, and it's like, okay, I get why they're taking this individual. This guy fits what Kyle Whittingham wants to do. I mean, he just develops, program, uh, develops players, and he's able to negate that talent gap between a program like USC, which is full of blue chippers. Yeah, you talk about recruiting to fit. I don't know if there's a better team in the country in terms of recruiting players that fit the University of Utah and what Kyle Whittingham is looking for. And Drew, the other thing is they've continued to kind of elevate their profile. They've done a really good job in NIL, especially player retention as well. You know that story out there, every scholarship player afforded a Dodge Ram truck, right? Stuff like that that's pretty interesting. You wouldn't think Utah would kind of be on the forefront of that, and here they are. The other part of this, 
is there a better program in terms of developing two-way players? And, and they seem to be creative, right? These aren't things that are like low-hanging fruit and they're out in front of them. But this was out of necessity that Sione Vaki needed to play running back. And this is a guy that had over five receptions for 140 yards against USC. I had, I had to check that stat line twice. He also had two tackles in that game. The other guy that comes to mind, Mike Bernard, was a safety, right? And a guy that they've kind of moved around offensively. Had a huge game last year against Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. So Utah, one of those teams right now. Drew, I'll ask you a question. You think they're out of the college football playoff conversation? I wouldn't want to play them, right? For sure. <laughs> I mean, I you know, I think they could potentially run the table here, right? And they're finding their groove. Bryson Barnes, you know, if you read the Utah message boards, he had a lot of haters a couple of weeks ago. I think everyone now is is all on board on him and he, he's another awesome story. Walk-on quarterback, you know, Cam Rising Kyle Whittingham announces he's done for the season. Uh, we thought Nate Johnson, the Elite 11 finalist, might be QB1 for the Utes, but it, it, it's this guy that believes in himself. He, I think he had one big-time throw against the Trojans, if you look at the PFF box score, uh, and he made the most of it. And, um, yeah, it, uh, it, it's just – it feels – I don't know, like a high school program? Like, it, it feels like everyone has a common goal and a common mission – uh, and they're and they've dealt with injuries and they're just able. It's the next man up mentality. So love that from Utah. You mentioned the recruiting, right? They're getting more access to players. I think right now in the 24 cycle, four of the top six kids from the state of Utah are committed. One of them, Zach Wilson's brother, Isaac Wilson. I mean, they're doing an excellent job there. And with Sione Biaki, he was actually on Bruce Feldman's freaks list prior to my freaks list. I think he like benches 500 pounds, like 34 inch vertical jump, something crazy like that. Uh, but he's a kid that was on a mission. And I think we forget about that with Utah. It's an older team, right? So graduated high school after a decorated career, left for two years, comes back um, and is ready to go. So, you know, we talk about Gatlin Bear in the 2024 cycle, right? Headed to Utah. He's going to take a mission. Well, here's an example of a kid um, that hasn't missed a beat after going away in, uh, from football for two years. If you hadn't heard Bryson Barnes' name, and maybe you're, you're part of the national audience out there, Pate would call you a casual, and you're wondering what we're talking about in a pig farmer. Bryson Barnes was a pig farmer, right, growing up. And here's what his coach had to say, talking about USC. They have a Heisman Trophy winner at quarterback, so they're going to make some things happen, and that's just the way it is. We have ourselves a pig farmer at quarterback, so we're proud of that guy. We love him. What a warrior he is. Drew, you talked about it. He kind of fits that program, blue collar, what they're all about, strong at the line of scrimmage. It's a do-your-job type of mentality. Love that pick. Utah and Virginia, the team of the week there. And with that, we will go to our freshman of the week. And who else, man? We talk about this guy every week. Reuben Bain, Hurricane Bain is what they call him down in Miami. And this dude... Eight tackles, two sacks, two tackles for loss, 10 pressures per PFF. He is a pro football focus darling. Miami, they win 28-20 over Clemson in overtime. A huge game for Mario Cristobal if you've been following Miami the last couple of weeks. Georgia Tech, the snafu there late in the game, and then they lose a tough one on the road to North Carolina. Drew, they needed this game. And here's the thing, Andrew. You see the stat line, and it and it gets your eyebrows to kind of perk up a little bit, and then you watch the tape, and you have a completely different appreciation for Reuben Bain, what they ask him to do. You see him with his hand in the ground. You see him standing up off the, off the edge. He's also a guy that I think plays the run equally as well as he generates pass rush. Andrew, I think he is everything we thought he would be and more. The other thing you want to know that translates to Saturdays from Friday – the motor. I mean, this guy 
continues to make plays in a lot of these plays kind of outside of his jurisdiction, but he is a fun player to watch, super heavy-handed. Like I said, the motor runs hot, just making plays all over the field for the Miami Hurricanes. And you take this guy off of Miami on Saturday, I'm not sure they win this game. I would agree, which is crazy to think about, you know, a couple of weeks ago. And he has picked up his snap count. Coop, the thing that has always stood out about Bain is he gets to the quarterback. 77 sacks in high school helped Miami Central. Uh, the boys on 95th Street win four straight state titles. Uh, we saw him at the Under Armour All-America game. The buzz in camp was nothing but positive. I mean, this guy is Miami um, and they were able to get the job because I remember during that recruiting process at one time, it, it seemed like, hey, maybe he's going to go to Alabama. Maybe he's going to go to Auburn. Mario Cristobal gets it, uh, gets the job done. I, I've been asking myself for a while now, hey, would Manny Diaz have got this kid? Would Mark Rick get, have gotten this kid? So uh, it's been exciting to watch him. And you know who I think deserves a little credit here? We talked about him a few weeks ago on the podcast. Jason Taylor, right? I, and I know Ruben Bain works inside and outside. They kind of move him around, but... Let's not forget the man with the gold jacket is uh, involved with that defensive line room. And Reuben Bain doesn't look like a freshman in any way. I mean, he is he is ready to go, uh, geared up, and it's it's speed to power. I mean, it's fun to watch. Number 71 ranked player in the class of 2023 per 24-7 sports. Also, Chris Hummer's 24-7 sports freshman of the week. Reuben Bain continues to rack up accolades one of the best and most impactful freshmen, regardless of any conference in all of college football. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, one love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. All right, Drew, you're going to go to the Big Ten. Nebraska, who you got? Malachi Coleman. He only had one catch on Saturday, but it was a big one. And this is another guy uh, who has been a darling, really, for the Oyster Boys, right? We've been in love with Malachi Coleman all throughout the 2023 cycle. And then, uh, you know, we were wondering when he was going to start really playing. Uh, two weeks ago, most snaps for him to date. Uh, and then on Saturday, you know, game isn't put away. Uh, Nebraska versus Northwestern. He comes up big here with this 44-yard touchdown catch. It was the longest play of the day for the Cornhuskers. Uh, Malachi Coleman, he was he was a freaky projection, right? He is over 6'4", uh, you know, has a 45-foot triple jump, 10-4 in the 100-meter dash, was an AAU All-American in the spikes. We kept talking about it, right? All right, he's got these athletic traits. He's got these athletic traits. Well, this is those athletic traits on display, him getting behind the defender and helping Nebraska um, – you know, put the game, salt the game away. And I think for Matt, Matt Rule and that program, this is huge that Malachi Coleman is getting going, right? They needed this. Four and three right now. There's been some lumps. The offense has struggled. And, hey, this is my prize recruit. 
that I was able to hold on to last cycle. He's now playing. We'll see what Malachi Coleman's able to do rest the rest of the season, but certainly encouraging, I think, if you're a fan of Nebraska, right? Uh, it's going to help them on the recruiting trail as we get into the early signing period. You know, hey, we might not make a bowl game, right? It, it might be a losing season, but we're playing our young guys. Uh, and Malachi Coleman, you know, he's starting to figure things out. I looked at the stat line. I saw one catch, 44 yards, and a touchdown. And I'm like, hey, that was probably just a nine route. Then you turn on the tape. That's exactly – it's like, this guy can't give you that four or five plays a game. That's what Malachi Coleman does. That's what we saw in San Antonio at the All-American Bowl. Drew, the good thing about Malachi Coleman, last two weeks that snap count has increased significantly. And how about this? For Nebraska, you're sitting there at four and three, and as grim as some things have looked – this year, Matt Rule has this team over 500. In the next two weeks, you got Purdue coming to town, and then you're at Michigan State, who right now is really, really struggling. So big opportunity for Nebraska. If you think about it, two-thirds through the season, for this team to potentially be bowl eligible at that point, that is the direction that you want that program heading. That is why they brought in Matt Rule and threw a big bag at him. All right, now we're going to bring in the Nostradamus. Hey, McGrady, you're making an impact on this show already because last week we didn't even have this in the show. Now we have it now, but it's redshirt freshman of the week with Ryan McGrady, <laughs> and this is going to be a segment now. And we kind of like this, right? Kind of gets to cover all our, our spots here, and we get to hit on players that maybe are breaking out in year two. So, McGrady, who you got here? Yeah, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Let's stick with the red, <laughs> redshirt freshman, and let's give the class of 22 some love. Uh, this week I'm going to go with Jihad Campbell. Out of Alabama, you had the 24-yard scoop and score in the fourth quarter to put the game away. 34-20 win for Alabama over Tennessee, their 10th straight win over the Volunteers. And uh, they're trailing 20-7 to at half, going to 27-0 run to finish the game in the second half. And part of the reason was Jihad Campbell, that scoop and score, 10 tackles, one tackle for loss. And the five-star, number one-ranked edge in the class of 2022 out of IMG has 39 tackles a season. And he's shown why the Oyster Boys had him ranked number 16 overall in his class. You know what's funny about Jihad Campbell? Andrew and I were just talking about this. He was the number one edge, right? And then you turn on the tape, especially this past weekend against Tennessee. He's, he's playing at the second level. He's playing primarily off ball. Drew, he had some limited snaps off the edge. But to me, that's where I felt his presence the most was kind of playing in that 3-4 stand-up outside linebacker role. I think this is a guy, he's a good enough athlete. He can obviously play at the second level. It's pretty interesting to see how Kevin Steele and Nick Saban are utilizing him right now. Nonetheless, I think this is going to be a dude who's going to continue to get better, and I think once Alabama figures out a plan for him going forward, he's just too dynamic off the edge not to use his pass rushing presence. Well, I texted you and the guys. I was just fired up. I'm like, all right, Jahad Campbell's <laughs> turning it on here, right? Has a big, some big plays in that game. I'm happy he's on the field, and he was a – a fun but tricky evaluation, right? Started off in New Jersey, handed the dirt defensive end. They move him to IMG Academy. Uh, he's playing like slot defender, a little bit of linebacker. And I think we kind of just build it as, hey, he's a defensive chess piece. We think the ceiling's highest as a 3-4 backer that's going to rush off the edge. Maybe he ends up there, you know, as Dallas Turner leaves for the NFL. Uh, but he's going to be a future star in the SEC. Went back and looked at the testing numbers. He was like a 4-2 guy in the short shuttle, like super explosive. The biggest question was, hey, how much weight is he going to be able to put on that lanky frame? And, you know, you see the highlights, you watch the PFF, he's starting to fill out, which isn't surprising. That's what Nick Saban in Alabama does. They have all those facilities. They're going to get your body right. So 
Uh, that's a great one, McGrady. I'm loving this redshirt freshman because it's like, all right, you know, you kind of forget about these guys. Yeah, year two is important, right? <laughs> and for Jahad Campbell, it certainly is. You get him in that Alabama strength conditioning nutrition program. We've seen guys like Jaheim Otis completely change their body. Good to see Jahad Campbell doing his thing. All right, a couple honorable mentions as well. How about Emory Williams, man? Kind of the guy flying under the radar. The freshman quarterback for Miami, 151 passing yards, 24 of 33. Didn't ask him to do too much, but when they did, he delivered. Emory Williams, big game for him, from him. We'll talk about him in a minute. South Carolina, Nicholas Harbor, two catches, 50 yards, one rush for nine yards. Looks like similar to Malachi Coleman. South Carolina starting to figure him out a little bit. And Drew, you threw this one on here. I like this one a lot after watching this, watching the tape. Mississippi State corner, Bryce Pollock, five tackles, pass breakup as well. But Ryan McGrady, I think you got some uh, McNuggies on Emory Williams. I do. He's the uh, first true freshman quarterback to beat Clemson since Chase Reddick led Boston College over Clemson in 2010. The four-star quarterback out of San Clemente High School in San Clemente, California, led uh, the Eagles to a big win over uh, Clemson, 16-10 uh, to 10 back in 2010. But Emory Williams coming up huge for the Hurricanes. Drew, this one is – um, go ahead. Can I make this a little bit even more notable? Emory Williams is a senior in high school, went 3-6. and six. He went four and five the year before that up at Milton High School in the Panhandle. I mean, we watched him a lot. I know the Elite 11 guys loved Emory Williams. He was an Elite 11 finalist. Um, but he was, wasn't exactly just like some big winner in high school. The tools were there. The traits were there. You talk with anyone at Miami, the, the buzz has been that they love this kid. And, I mean, it's the biggest win of his career, obviously. But uh, I, I there was – some lumps early on in that game. I was surprised, and he came up big with the accuracy uh, down the stretch. And I think Miami views him as the quarterback of the future, and for good reason. Well, it was interesting. You go back and you watch the first half. They didn't ask him to do anything where it was like, hey, we're going to put this on your shoulders, go win the game. I mean, Shannon Dawson called a game where it was like, okay, everything's going to be lateral. It's going to be at or behind the line of scrimmage. It's going to be short to intermediate throws, and we're going to try to build your confidence. Now, in the second half, you find yourself in a 10-point hole. It's time for him to kind of grow up on the fly. And, Drew, he made some timely throws. I mean, a couple down the field to Kobe Young. Also had the fade as well. Uh, another on a deep over route to Kobe Young. That seemed to be his guy throughout the game. Restrepo always steps up. I was super impressed with him. There seemed to be a maturity in his game. And, listen, the stat line, 151 yards. But for Miami to win that game, they needed him to take care of the football. He had one interception, but he came up big in the second half. Like I said, he had to grow up on the fly, and they're in a 10-point hole with, what, eight and a half minutes left? They end up winning that game. So credit to Emory Williams and obviously Shannon Dawson and Mario Cristobal having this guy ready. Drew, on the flip side of this, you and I kind of talked about this off the air. What happens with Ja'Curry Brown, right, as we start to look towards the transfer portal and some of the traffic that might be in there over the next couple months? He seems to kind of be a prime candidate of a guy that says, all right, I'm going to go test the water somewhere else. Absolutely, right? I mean, he was the top 247 quarterback for us. I just don't think he fits what Miami wants to do. And last year, remember, as a true freshman, he beat Georgia Tech on the road. And I've already heard some chatter down here about Ja'Curry potentially testing the water scoop. I think what will be surprising for a lot of college football fans, and we can steal the term from Josh Pate casuals, is – He's probably going to go power five, right? I, I think people always assume that these quarterbacks are, are going to transfer down, but, but Ja'Curry has some natural talent. I, I would not be shocked if he ends up 
you know, at in the SEC, in the ACC somewhere. Like, someone's going to make a move for him. And I'll add this. If you would be naive to think that schools around the country already haven't formulated lists of names they expect to enter the transfer portal. Because remember, we just got those small windows now. I mean, when we get to December, it's going to be full go. You want to get these guys in before spring spring camp. It's going to be wild. And, and Jacuri's not going to be the only quarterback on the move. I think they are far past the list uh, part of the process. And I think that those phone calls and text messages and working those back doors, I mean, that's happening right now. I've talked to a couple couple guys and personnel departments across the country. I mean, it's it's no secret, right? That's the name of the game, and it's crazy. I mean, not only are you playing roster defense, but roster offense at this point. you got to know what's what's coming in, what's going out, and that's the name of the game right now. So a crazy time in college football. We'll certainly have our eyes on that in the next couple months, what happens with the transfer portal. Just a reminder, you are watching and listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. You can find us on Spotify and Apple. And if you're watching on YouTube, smash that like button, hit the subscribe button, give the Oyster Boys a little love you like the mcnuggies come back for more we love it all right let's get in the c block here a little bit of recruiting rundown drew it was kind of like all right what are we week seven week eight college football season you look up and then it's like where's this thing coming from where the top players in the country just want to commit in the middle of like the the best games of the day it was like lj mccray right commits to florida in the midst of everything happening in college football on saturday so we'll start with that the number six player in the country number two defensive lineman drew this had everything involved like georgia was involved florida state was involved florida was involved i thought it was fsu it ends up being florida a huge get for florida drew and then you think about this defensive line class Amaris Williams, top 50 player for us. Jamate Waller, one-time five-star. Nasir Johnson, who I love, and Kendall Jackson. I wrote about it just two weeks ago when we released the top 247. This was my favorite, one of my favorite positional halls, but my favorite defensive line hall. Now you add LJ McCray to the mix, six foot six, 270 pounds plus, six foot 10 plus wingspan. This guy's got everything you want. Ascending player, up arrow. Yada, yada, yada. Huge get for Billy Napier. Drew, your thoughts on LJ McCrae to the Gators? Well, I was on the, the broadcast for that one, me and Steve Wilfong. And so I've had time to marinate on it. And I, I think the biggest win to date when we talk about long-term outlook of the program for Billy Napier is DJ Lagway. But right behind that is LJ McCrae. I mean, this is a difference maker and it's the type of point of attack player that Florida hasn't got in recent years and you know I've been in the Sunshine State doing this getting out on the road going to games going to camps for close to a decade now and there are not a lot of LJ McCrae's you're going to find on that I-4 corridor so that goes from Daytona Beach through Orlando all the way to Tampa right these guys just aren't walking around and if they are usually they're headed to an Alabama they're headed to a Georgia and Georgia wanted LJ McCray like don't get me wrong I mean I've heard it from people in Athens this is a guy that was at the top of the board you can put a blue star next to his name you can put a red star next to his name whatever it is like they wanted him and Florida is able to get the job done right and I thought for sure, absolutely. I, I, I'll echo you. I thought FSU was was kind of going to be the team that won out in the end. I mean, I always tell this story. First time I saw LJ McCray, it was at Florida State's uh, elite camp. I think Mike Norvell, Odell Higgins, they'd done an excellent job with him. But here comes Billy Napier. And I love this fit for Florida, right? 
They run an odd front. I think LJ McCray can play four or five different spots. Like he is scheme versatile. He can be in different alignments, different shades. He can do whatever you want. And I think he can get on the field early. And the scary part, Cooper, is like he's just scratching the surface of what he can be. We talked about it. Three sacks as a junior there in 15 games. He's already doubled that number as a senior and in half the games. Uh, it's going to be fun to see what he looks like after some time in a strength program. But I think absolutely Florida can use him as a situational rusher in 2024. And then by 2025, when Florida is going to face Miami, that's on the schedule. Like LJ McCray, he's going to be a guy with the star underneath him. This is not a one-time thing for Florida. You look at 2023, what they brought in there. Kelby Collins, who's a pup right now. He's starting to figure it out. Cameron James, another guy that we really like, finishing the top 100 for us. TJ Searcy lacks <laughs> no traits whatsoever at all. I mean, that guy, in terms of physical upside, has all of it. Will Norman, Gavin Hill as well, a couple other names. So Florida doing a tremendous job on the defensive line of scrimmage. Ryan McGrady, I think you have some historical context for us on how big of a get this is for Florida. Yeah, LJ McCray is the highest-ranked top 247 player to commit to Florida since defensive tackle Gervin Dexter back in 2020, who was also ranked number six overall that year. And uh, he gives Florida three five-star commits in the class of 2024. That ties the Gators with Georgia and Texas A&M for the second most behind Ohio State's four. The other two, quarterback DJ Lagway, who certainly had a great senior season in safety, Xavier Filsam. Drew, Florida sits at number three right now uh, in the 24-7 sports composite team rankings. We've got to give a lot of love to Billy Napier right here, man. I, I, I love what they are doing in terms of building organically through high school. This is a team like two years down the line. You're like, whoa. And last thing on Florida, because I know we're going to move to, to Florida State. We got Georgia this weekend, world's largest out there or cocktail party. I think that game is going to be interesting. That game is, in terms of the weight that it carries for Florida, if they can somehow find a way to win that game, I mean, momentum, Billy Napier, it doesn't feel like he has had the wind on his back yet. They are recruiting with their hair on fire right now. But if you have the on-field success to match that, we talk about that all the time. I think Florida is still in a position to kind of do some things here over the next couple months as we inch towards early signing day. Drew, the other team you talked about in Florida, that is Florida State. They got a big one on Sunday. And I want to tie this in, right? LJ McCray goes off the board on Saturday. Armando Blunt, formerly of the 2025 class, a five-star at that time, reclassifies to 2024, commits to Florida State. A big get for FSU. Like we said, FSU was very involved in the sweepstakes for Armando Blunt. So a lot going on here. Florida State flips Armando Blunt from Miami. I got to make sure to put that in. So now you got musical chairs between the big three in the state of Florida. Florida on the board, FSU on the board. Miami, they've recruited that position well. This one obviously stings. And then you got Armando Blunt going from 25 to 24, number 39 now in the top 247, the number nine defensive lineman. Armando Blunt, he's played a lot of football. He turns 17 next February, right? So that means by the time he finishes his freshman year at Florida State, he won't even be 18 yet. So, Drew, unpacking all of that, let's start with the impact of Armando Blunt to Florida State. Well, it's hard to talk about the impact without reclassification stuff. So, let's start with, okay, this is a, a 
big get for Mike Norvell. And what stands out to me is FSU's continued push into Miami-Dade and Broward counties. You know, when they think had things humming back in 2013 when they were winning national titles, like they were getting guys from Miami Central. That was a thing of the norm. Then under Willie Taggart, they kind of drifted away from that. And, and it's taken Norvell some time, but they continue to, to invest in recruiting the area. And now they are seeing the results. Last cycle, Conrad Hussey, Hakeem Williams. Now they're getting Armando Blunt, who was supposed to be in 2025. He's actually in 2024, but this is this is a big deal, right? We, we mentioned Reuben Bain with the freshman of the week, um, what he was able to do at Miami Central. Well, Armando Blunt transfers in from Fort Lauderdale Dillard, where he had been playing as an eighth grader on varsity, and he's kind of taken over, right? He has uh, had his way with different schools, had a good showing against Bishop Gorman early on in the season. But he disappeared a little bit against Shamanad Madonna in that game that was on ESPN2. But in the rivalry game uh, against Miami Northwestern a few weeks ago, I think he had three, four sacks. I mean, uh, he was just having his way. Elite burst, right? Ridiculous track and field numbers for a, a young guy. He was an AAU um, national champ in the shot put. I mean, uh, you know, there's a lot to like. And I haven't really said this a lot of different places. One of the Under Armour coaches who, who does all the defensive linemen every spring around the country, he coaches that group up. He told me that Armando Blunt was one of the best guys he's ever worked with at that age, uh, compared him to Walter Nolan. So there's a lot to like about Armando and what he can be. The reclassification, I don't know. I, I got some question marks about that. Well, it's pretty interesting. You know, I went through, I looked at the birth dates of the top 10 defensive linemen in the 2024 class. Armando Blunt would be the youngest among that group by three months, right? The other guy that we really like in that group, Joseph Jonah Ajanye, has only been playing football for a couple years by way of Nigeria, committed to UGA. So it's going to be interesting to kind of follow that. And if you want to look for more on that, Drew wrote a great article, which is now on 247sports.com, giving some more context on the players that have come before Armando Blunt all the way back to what, 2003, 2004 with uh, John David John Booty, Booty, right? So, I mean, you think about that, Evangel Christian, shout out Shreveport, all our Shreveport listeners out there. But there has been some context on this. Drew, the other part about this that I think is interesting is, is like, we don't have a ton of historical data, right? This is a lot of ebbs and flows in terms of how we're kind of assessing this. And the one thing I kind of want to do is give you the opportunity, and we go back and forth on this because I know you and I, maybe I don't want to say disagree, but at some points we're kind of trying to figure this out together along with the rest of the team. This is not an exact science, right? So kind of what goes into that process of when you have a guy like Armando Blunt, who's a top 10 player in 2025, and now you got to place him within an update you had two weeks ago, two weeks later, and say, all right, where does this guy fit in the grand scheme of things? And not everything matches up. There are a lot of different variables that you have to take into consideration. What was that process like with Armando Blunt? Well, all right. So he's number five or was number five for us in, in 2025, right? So we have gone through that whole class. And when we slotted those individuals – that's where we viewed him in the 2025 cycle. Again, we loved everything about him. We loved the multi-sport stuff. We loved the on-field stuff. We loved the measurements. We loved the feedback. Like I was saying, you're getting from that Under Armour coach. I mean, that is one context point you take into account, right? Now you're dropping him into this cycle, which we've already had 
one more year of exposure to, right? We've had one more opportunity to see them play games, right? See them in camp settings. We have way more information. You're always going to give, you know, the, the most consideration of the guys you have the most data points on. And I, I think personally for me, I mean, Coop, let's, let's be honest. Like there was talk about, Hey, let's keep the five star on him. There was talks of putting him at 50 and ultimately we, we settled at 39. And I think what's difficult for us in the team is, okay, are we going to have Armando ahead of a Luke Cromenhawk or Luke Cromenhawk? Excuse me. Are we going to keep him at number five? Because now he's better than LJ McRae who are pretty bullish on. I think it gets difficult when you start trying to stack these guys and Hey, look, the rankings aren't finalized. It, it's not a done thing. We got two more updates. Armando Blunt was committed to the 2025 edition of the Under Armour All-America game. I would assume event organizers are going to allow him to play in the 2024 edition, and that would be huge for us, right? We would see him in Orlando, not only size him up against some of these other 2024 pass rushers, but he'd be going up against 2024 defensive linemen. So it's difficult. And then you start making calls in the in the personnel world, right? I've spoken to a ton of different Power 5 uh, guys in, in recruiting departments, guys I, I trust. And, you know, the, the feedback is, hey, this is a bit of a question mark. Now, I don't think reclassification is going away. I think it is here to stay. I think we're only going to see more of this, guys jumping. Just with the current state of college football, the NIL, right? You can make money. You can you, you go to Utah, you get a Dodge Ram truck. I mean, there are some incentives for these families out there, and I'm not pushing back on it, but the data we have seen so far is, you know, there's a lot more misses than there are success stories. Now, Braylon Allen, uh, Wisconsin's running back, he's probably going to be drafted, okay? He's a guy that came in as a freshman, uh, I think number two in the Big Ten right now. He is a success story, all right? But there's also a lot of, of, of stories of guys going to these places, uh, they're a year behind from a developmental standpoint. Next thing you know, they're in the transfer portal. Donnell Harris, uh, former top 247 defensive lineman out of Booker T. Washington. He moved it up, uh, washed out at Texas A&M after playing in four games and, you know, signed with ULM this past February, not even on the Warhawks roster right now. So uh, I think we're in wait and see mode. But the, the big takeaway for me, I think when talking with different different people is just that developmental year, right? Okay, yes, you're getting there early. Sounds good in theory, all right? You're, you're going to learn how to be a student athlete. You're going to be under the direction of the strength coach. You're going to be in those meeting rooms and, and all that. But you're also playing on the scout team, right? You're spending your fall playing on the scout team, okay? And then you got to think about it. That recruiting class coming behind you, there's going to be a guy that played in 12 games. He's going to show up in, in January and February, and you guys are going to be about even. So it's easy, I think, to get over-recruited. But at the same time, and I know I'm rambling here, Cooper, there's really no risk for Florida State. There's no risk for these college programs, right? NCAA is saying, hey, we have no more rules on counters. You know, you, you, you can bring in more than 25 a cycle. You can be like Colorado. You can flip 65 names if you want. So I think if you're Florida State, and we don't even have to talk about Armando, we can use any of these examples of these guys reclassifying. Look, you're getting a player you covet, Okay, you're getting them and you're preventing them from going to your rivals. If it works out, awesome. If it doesn't, hey, I'm going to go find a Jared Verse in the transfer portal. So that's a lot. That's just kind of my thoughts on reclassification at, the, at this stage. Well, if you were wondering what was in the article, that was it. Drew just said it over the last five minutes. Did a really good job explaining it. Drew, the other thing 
you know, that I think about is, do you think Armando Blunt is part of this class in 2024 for Florida State if a day earlier L.J. McClay declares for the Knowles instead of, instead of Florida? Yeah. 100%, yeah. right? And I think a lot of that's got to do. But that's the modern age of college football, right? We talk about, like, this proverbial salary cap that exists. That's it, right? So where is that money being financially allocated and – we get it. People will push back on that and say, you know, that they've had the hooks in for a long time and they're doing what they need to do. That's only one part of the process, right? And when you're talking about these caliber players, that's a lot different. And I'm totally on board with what you're talking about. For Florida State, what's the risk? Get them in a year earlier, right? You're not fighting that battle. You're not wasting extra time over the next year trying to figure out a way to get this guy into your program. Florida State, big get on Armando Blunt, Drew, and I like that um, context that you added from the Under Armour coach there. I will say this, Armando Blunt, that was one of the best workouts I have ever seen, regardless of position at that yeah. Under Armour camp. It was freaky and everything about it, seeing a guy that size moving the way that he does, it was kind of like, it makes me think, right? When you think about the defensive lineman, you brought up LT Overton, it's like, my mind kind of goes case by case instead of saying, let's kind of look at this and, and see, is there is the data pointing to one suggestion over another? Armando Blunt, if there's like one kid at 17 years old that I'm thinking by year two can have a significant impact, I'll probably bet my money on him. Well, I, I think me and you are on a little bit of different sides with Armando, which is fine. I think people want us to be on different sides. I've seen him play. I think my question with Armando is how big can he get? Right. And we talked about him and Ruben Bain, you know, kind of similar players. And the thing that Armando has going for him is he's got longer arms and a, a bigger wingspan and, and, and better verified testing numbers. Like we know that burst is there. He's only 250 pounds, though. I, I just wonder how big can he get and where does he play up front for Florida State? Is he an edge or is he an interior guy? I don't really know. And, and, and if, I was hoping, if, if you, I was hoping to figure that out after a senior season, but I don't get that senior season. Right, that's a luxury that you missed. But it was the same conversation we we're having about Ruben Bain, who did play his senior year, right? But you're right. Like Armando Blunt, he's got a six foot eight plus wingspan. He's got 36 inch arms, and you at home, you're trying to figure that out. It's in the top 75 percentile of what he would be at his position group in the NFL. Drew, I think he's got 25 pounds. Whether he's on the edge, whether he's playing inside, that doesn't bother me as much. I love the athletic clay. I love the developmental upside. Would I like to see him play his senior season? 110%. But if you're Florida State, this is what you got to do. That's the name of the game now. So a lot of musical chairs, especially in the state of Florida. Drew now going to the state of Georgia. Colorado. This was one that kind of, I think, kind of flew under the radar uh, once you consider that it was a 2025. But top 247 quarterback Antoine Hill, number 70 player overall, number six arm, according to 24-7 Sports. He commits to Colorado, and he's out of Houston County in Georgia, Warner Robins. And Drew Hudson Standish, I think, texted us and said, hey, I kind of love this. And then you kind of jumped on that, and I got to watch the tape this morning. He's a big physical specimen with a lot of raw, untapped upside, big get for Colorado, but Drew, like, you know, this if like this is the way you want to live if you're Colorado right now, and you think this makes a lot of sense long term and short term for where Shador Sanders is right now in his development as well. Yeah, I'm planting my flag here. This is the most important high school commitment Coach Prime has picked up since he's arrived in Boulder, right? And I know people are like, wait, what? You know, Travis Hunter, Shador Sanders, all these transfer guys. 
what is the plan for Colorado post Shadur Sanders? All right. I, I think there's a good chance he's going to come back in 2024, one more year with dad. But who's going to be the guy in 2025? And I don't think anyone is going to transfer into Colorado knowing that there's not a good chance they're going to get on the field. I mean, Shadur Sanders plays essentially every single snap. Now, are they trying to pad stats and, and you know, get him in some Heisman conversation? I think it's a little bit of that. So the fact that they're able to go get Antoine Hill, who is a top 100 prospect for us, I think is notable because I think Antoine Hill is bringing something to Boulder that none of these other quarterbacks Colorado has recruited has. He has multi-year starter upside. I think he can be an impact player. He's got a monster arm, and he can run the football. He's not a run-first guy, uh, but he can move the chains, much like Shadur Sanders. Now, reclassification, we just talked about it with Armando Blunt. I don't know if Antoine Hill is going to reclassify, but I wouldn't hate it if he showed up and took a developmental redshirt year there in Colorado. Coop, I buzzed two of his games uh, Saturday morning, watch both of them. I think this guy has improved a bunch since he first came on the scene there at Houston County. We saw him at the Future 50 in June. I mean, he is six foot five, 215 pounds. He is physically imposing. So I love this pickup. If you're a Colorado fan, right, you're thinking, all right, what is the long-term answer at quarterback? It's Antoine Hill. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty interesting. The other thing is you look at Antoine Hill and you see 6'5", 215 pounds. You get around him in person. You're like, all right, you know, there's a lot left on the bone here with Antoine Hill. And then you look at, as a sophomore, 71% completion rate, had over 3,600 yards passing, 40 touchdowns, just three INTs. That is the type of growth you want to see why a player is continuing to figure it out. And Drew, you mentioned he's still got his senior year ahead of him as well. So a big pickup for Deion Sanders in prime time. Guys, just a reminder, you are listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Like, subscribe. Also, you can find us on Apple and Spotify. For our Director of Scouting, Andrew Ivins. For our Director of Research and his new McNuggies, Ryan McGrady. I'm Cooper Patagna. We will see you Tomorrow, today's only Tuesday. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for joining us. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.